everybody, and thanks for joining us for another episode of the PHNX Suns podcast, brought to you by the DraftKings Are Sports we on Podcast, NPR? America's number one sports podcast. <laughs> Where have we app. gone with this show? Don't forget to hit that like button, subscribe wherever you get your podcast, and leave us a five-star review. I'm Lindsay Smith, joined by Saul Bookman, Gerald Borgay, and Espo. Gentlemen, thank you for being here today. She's just here so she doesn't get fired. <laughs> <laughs> Lindsay, thank you so much for welcoming me to the show that I am always on. I appreciate it. I hope your day is going wonderful as well. Thanks. Not too bad. So for real, how are you guys doing? Good? I always enjoy being on the show. Good, great, bad. Fantastic. (laughs) We're all doing great here, clearly. You know what? I will say we're probably all still doing better than Tori Craig. You know why? Because he had to go to the doggone dentist today because Giannis wrecked his tooth last night. Wrecked him? I barely knew him. Hey, you know. You know what time Damn he posted it. this on, <laughs> on Instagram? What time? 2.30. Dear God, Espo. I need to leave. <laughs> <laughs> I didn't get it for a second. I was like, wait, what? Oh, <laughs> damn it. Unbelievable. So dumb. And Good I night, everybody. <laughs> ben, see what you started here? I didn't do it. He <laughs> did it. Hello, everybody. No, no, no. You started it last night with your dub tooth joke. Uh, I thought we were gonna leave it. I thought we were gonna leave it behind. What was your tooth joke? I said he deserves a crown. Ah, yeah. So this whole joke was a little long in the tooth. Jeez, come on! I don't have a tooth joke to jump in. I bit bit off more than I could chew with this one. Let's move on. Oh my gosh! But at least you know, because it was kind of. A little bit of speculation. We didn't get like a clear answer. Did he lose a tooth? Was it a filling? Did it crack? Whatever it may be. Mm. But clearly something happened where he had to go visit the dentist, which most people don't like. Can we put that picture back up? Like, is this what kind of angle is this? Either? Like, he's like, I'm going to give you a shot of half my jaw <laughs> and the bib. Like, Maybe that, that knockout gas kicked in real quick. We don't know. <laughs> this is him just letting everybody know that, yes, something did happen to my tooth. And yes, I did have to go see a dentist. And yes, it, Giannis should have gotten a foul for something last night. So let's, I, I want to know, is he on the injury report with tooth soreness? He is not. He is, he is probable with left heel soreness. It's left tooth soreness. Left, left, <laughs> left incisor soreness. Oh, my gosh. Hello came in with the joke, said, y'all don't understand the cavity of the situation. <laughs> but, um, oh, hello. Uh, Brittany said, wait, I missed something. Why doesn't Linz want to be here? Because that's what I tweeted out for the show. Technically, I do. It's just we, we're in rare form today. We've all already started with the she just finally admitted what she tells us behind the scenes every day (laughs) (laughs) yeah so we're just poking fun at one another okay but for real for real let's get into the thick of it here with the phnx suns podcast the biggest thing that i feel like we all kind of glossed over last night was did we potentially get a first look at devin booker's new shoes (gasps) Maybe, Did maybe we? not. Dun, dun, dun. So Savage on Twitter tweeted out these photos with the tweet that said, first look at Devin Booker's exclusive Nike shoe. Looks like a G2 cut, a GT cut to PE. Pretty sure they're just PEs, y'all, but just wanted to stir some things up. So these might just be PEs for book. But the thing that really sticks out to me is the logo. 
on yeah. here. Uh, I, I did some research on this. Okay. I got some inside info, Ooh. and I can confirm that these are PE Zoom Cut 2s. Uh, they were made in a bunch of colorways for him uh, just to wear, but he's going to keep wearing his Kobe's. They are not D-Book's new shoe, uh, but we will see that soon. Is what I'm not not soon soon, but soon before the calendar year. Is Which over. is good because I'm not a real big fan of those ones. No, those, look, those kinda, yeah. and if you go back and look and you search that shoe, PJ Tucker was was wearing them earlier in the year with a PJ seventeen on the tongue. Mm. Like I think they're just trying to get some attention for this uh, specific shoe in pregame warmups from guys. So, uh, and we saw book in an ad for these. Uh, I, I believe it was. An over overseas ad, uh, but he was in an ad for these shoes in a black and gray and red colorway. Uh, so yeah, he he's just doing some some goodwill for Nike before I think we see his shoe. I see. Did you get any word on the logo on it though, or his name, like the book part? That, was that just like that was just for, for a little that. a little seasoning on the shoe yeah. to make it specific to him? PJ's was the same way. They just kind of did a little design with it. <laughs> uh with it so yeah don't don't expect to see that i don't think that was some experimental book logo that we might see somewhere this wasn't uh like some of the other accidental shoe releases we've seen uh at other times in the league this was just a simple he was wearing a pair that nike sent him uh for warm-ups so uh we will see those d-book ones or whatever they call them eventually i really hope that be legendary is on the sole in book's handwriting or in i think book writes it yeah uh, he writes on, it on that soul uh so you can even buy them like that i think that'd be a cool little touch on there with whatever the logo is but uh no word on what they'll look like but we'll see him i'm gonna guess next season so i'm not mad at that because i don't like these <laughs> shoes i i think no. it might have been the colorway that really just threw me off with these specific ones but mm. i didn't love them so i'm glad to hear that these aren't a first sneak peek, if yeah. you will, at Book's new shoe. I mean, I don't mind him, but yeah, for his new shoe, I'm expecting legendary things. So hopefully, I want him like some, maybe some purple thrown in. I, I feel like oh, that would be. You'll definitely see it. And we'll see KD's shoes in a, in a purple and orange colorway going into next season. Like Sun's, Sun's shoe game is going to be at an all time level, I think, going into next season. I, I, I don't know. I think Book has got. Book has some pretty good style sense, mm -hmm. um, so I would like to see something that kind of plays a little bit of, of uh, maybe we veer a little bit away from the game shoe and yes. go more towards the like the wearing fashion kind of shoe, like mm -hmm. like the Air Force One would be. You okay. know, what I'm saying I'm just saying I'm wearing them. Uh, yeah. uh, <laughs> like like I loved his Air Force One before. I know some people didn't like it, but I liked it and I bought it. I have a pair. I love them. And I want to see something a little bit geared towards that because he is, you know, he, he's, I'm not going to say a, the most fashionable guy in the NBA, but he does have an eye for it. I and think we're going to get both, to be honest, a fashion and an encore. You Some, think you're going to get two different types of shoes? Yes. I think they will do some kind of fashion shoe. Do they do two types of shoes for anybody else? Well, I don't there's know. not a lot of fashion shoe guys out there. So I, you're definitely going to get some kind of on court because Nike's not going to be like, hey, we're not going to have you in a shoe that you're, you're not on wearing. court, but I think they'll also experiment with them on the other side too. I don't know for sure, but I feel like basketball shoes are kind of tough to wear 
like as a fashion shoe sometimes. And I think Devin's will probably be a little bit tough just because the shape and style of the shoes, like the Protros that he loves, I feel like his shoe would be similar to that. Um, like back when Kyrie was with Nike, I liked his shoe, his basketball shoe as a fashion shoe as well. Mm, but there, but I think it's it's rare because even like Giannis's basketball shoe, I don't love as a fashion that, shoe. That's why that's why the Jordan brand is so elite because it can be either or. Like mm -hmm. you can wear Jordans playing, you could also wear Jordans just as a fashion statement, and like, mm. um, and that's the that's the gap that you got to try to be careful about when you're trying to bridge both of those two because if it skews too far one way, then you're stuck in that space, um, and that's what makes Jordan elite. I, I can't really think of another one. I think Chuck Taylors were like one of the first yeah. original ones to kind of, uh, you know, be that hybrid of both streetwear and also basketball wear. Obviously, you're not wearing Chuck Taylors now on a basketball court because you'd snap your ankles mm. and everybody would hate each other. Uh, but, <laughs> you know, there there have been other other shoes that I think uh, another one was um, the Hardaways, the Penny Hardaways. Yes. Um, I, I really like those. The foam those, posits. The foam posits. Yeah. Yep, exactly. So it has been done before. Very hard to pull off. You got to be very creative. I think Devin's got that eye. So we'll see. Do you think there could be some subsection of the Kobe's like where he's he's under the Kobe brand and like because they they made a big deal to get the the Kobe shoes back under Nike. Book swears by them has bought all this back stock to have them. I wonder if there's some kind of I thing there. I think that only happens if uh Vanessa Bryant signs off on that. Oh, of course. Yeah. You know what I'm saying? And yeah. I don't know I don't know how close they are. I'm sure they're I'm sure they talk. Yeah. You know. So that would be pretty cool, though. It would. Yeah, I don't know. I'd well, be on board with that. We shall see. Hopefully sooner rather than later, we'll finally get a book shoe since we've been talking about it for checks notes 85 years now. <laughs> I I never imagined that my career would be spent in part talking about shoes and having inside sources <laughs> on shoes. So here we are. All right. All right. Speaking of book, he's always known. What we have all found out about him in the last few years since he's been in the NBA. But this was a really cool story that Archie Goodwin shared with at Mr. Goldberg on Twitter um, from Book's rookie season. So let's watch and talk about it. I remember one time on a plane specifically, me and him were having a little conversation about scoring and stuff. And I was and so so uh, it was me, him, PJ was talking, Blair was talking. And so book was like man i'm i really i'm a really a three-level scorer like this is what book is saying like, i'm really a three-level scorer so they were like rook you're not a three-level scorer like you're a shooter you can shoot you know what i'm saying he's like Bro, i'm telling you i'm i'm really like that you know and i think probably a few games later is when the injury started happening and then he he got he started playing and then he started to show it and and I, i'm like shoot he wasn't lying you know <laughs> Boy, boy got game, like. So I just thought this was really neat that Book knew from the jump that he what he was capable of. He just needed the time to really build it up and the opportunity. Yeah. I, well, go ahead. I was just going to say, Hornacek gave him no shot early on. I mean, it was he was not getting playing time with Hornacek, and regardless of the confidence there, Early on, but it was there was no doubt he he knew who he was the second he walked in that facility. Yeah, but I I could see why guys would be skeptical. Yeah, uh, totally. just because I mean, fuck, 
I can't even count how many times I've run into dudes that thought they could do something on the court and they weren't even they couldn't even come close. Oh. So you know, like and Devin Booker's obviously an exception to this rule, but um, I can see why these guys would be like, "Yeah, okay, Rook, we've seen you in practice." Like, mm. I, I assume that he 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 did in practice what he said he would do in the game, but maybe not. And that's why these guys doubted him. And then he got into the game and he did it. So I don't know. I remember his first pre-draft workout when he came to work out for the Suns and he was already kind of saying, like, I feel like I can do more. When he was first introduced, he said, I feel like I'm more than just a shooter. Um, but to that point at Kentucky, that's what his role was. He was, you know, a Clay Thompson-esque prospect in terms mm -hmm. of the off-ball movement, the shooting, the spot-up three ball, um, because that Kentucky team just had so much talent and he was the sixth man. But um, it's a testament to both his drive and his work ethic that he was able to not only believe that he could develop his game and be a lot more than what he was at Kentucky, but develop all these different areas of his game. Cause we've talked about this multiple times, but every year it felt like he added something in the midst of a terrible losing season. He added something to his bag. He addressed some critics complaint against his game, whether it was he doesn't create for others or he doesn't shoot efficiently or his three balls, not good enough, or he doesn't play defense or whatever it was. He's just slowly added on to his game season by season. And now he is a certified top 10 player in the league. Who's averaging 35 points in the month of March without Kevin Durant out there for most of them. So uh, it, it's pretty cool to see that progression and to see that even from day one, he was saying, yeah, I'm, I'm going to get there. Yeah. I mean, and so I'm I'm not surprised guys didn't believe him. I mean, he he was what the number thirteen selection. There wasn't a whole lot of hype. He was a sixth man, uh, you know, and everybody projected his ceiling was like clay light. So so I get why they didn't believe it, but you could tell the second he walked in, he did believe it. He mm -hmm. knew it uh, deep down, and uh, and it just had he had to get the opportunity to show it, and. I, I got to wonder if you don't have Earl Watson take over for Jeff Hornacek, do we still see the same book? Because book was, was Watson's guy, right? Hmm. He didn't get much run with Hornacek. So when Watson comes in, he embraces him. He basically says, this, this is yours. Go, you know, run with it, a young man and, and does it for the next handful of years uh, with, with Earl Watson uh, and let him make a lot of mistakes along the way. I mean, so, I don't know without Earl Watson, as weird as that is to say, because I don't think he was the greatest player development guy for others. For Book, he was the perfect kind of guy because he believed in him and gave him every chance to go out there and, and grow into this guy. I mean, maybe Earl saw behind the scenes what Book was capable of, and that mm -hmm. had to play, that played into his decision to be like, Book, just go. Yeah. Like, figure it out, take the opportunity. I know you're going to learn from it. I know you're going to grow your game because we've seen what you're doing behind the scenes in the gym late at night after games and practices and things of that sort. So I think there is something to that, Espo. And I mean, we argued it, what, last summer when, <laughs> when we were debating how much credit or how many flowers certain yeah. former Suns <laughs> members deserve for uh, where we are now. But I do think there's something to it. But this is just really I think I thought this was a really neat little soundbite from Archie that gives us a little bit more insight into what makes Devin tick. The funny thing was there were not two more polar opposite guys than Archie Goodwin and Devin Booker. So thinking of them having the conversation on the plane, anybody watching that would have thought Devin Booker was the the older guy 
the more experienced guy and Archie Goodwin was, was the young rookie in that kind of conversation because I love Archie. Archie was great to me. We had a pretty good relationship, but he was very immature uh, in his time with the Suns where Book was very, very mature coming in. So that conversation even, I, I find that would have been interesting to watch on the plane. Do you have a story? Do I have a story about Archie Goodwin? Once we played trivia as a company at a company outing and uh, I got to go up on stage and uh, high five Archie Goodwin after he and I got a couple questions right and we ran the table for uh, for a win for our team and there's a great photo of me uh, I look all happy he just looks like whatever dude and it was, <laughs> which was great. He's like, I'm just here yeah. so I don't get fined yeah. that and then Archie Goodwin was the only player I've ever seen with four phones he'd four come phones? to the post game He'd come to the post game uh, interview with me and Bloom, and he'd set like four phones down. I'm like, what? Four? Four of them? Really? That's too much. Damn. Four? That that That's I don't. I never knew why, and I don't think I want to. So and Joe Dumars is jealous of that. Yeah, <laughs> one for the home, three for the plug. I only had, I had a very Good short amount of time with Archie, but he was nice to me. So nice, nice kid. Seems like a nice guy. Uh, yeah. Blaze in the chat has a question. They said, "Is there some way for Booker to figure out how to add getting calls from refs into his game, or is wearing a Suns jersey just too much to overcome?" Ah, <sighs> it's the story and the question that we've. Just can we've been batting that around forever. I don't we're not gonna ever get anywhere. It's just some guys just know how to get the calls and some of the guys just never get the calls. And I don't think there's a really definitive line between the two. Book I thought Book got grabbed several times last night by Drew Holiday. Not a single peep. Not a little bit. But damn, if you blow and you put any one of Giannis's hairs out of place, foul. Mm -hmm. Like it, it's just it's egregious and we could talk about it all day, but it ain't going to get us anywhere, so we might as well just move on. Yeah, I mean, honestly, like, Book does take a large majority of his shots on jump shots, but last night I felt like there were a couple of times where he did drive, yep. drew contact, got contact, finished through contact, and there was no whistle. So it's just one of those things where he just doesn't get the superstar whistle that he probably feels he should and that we've seen him earn honestly some of the drives to the basket that he has there's contact and he just doesn't get it for whatever reason book went around a screen one time and drew holiday was on his left hip and you go back it was in the fourth quarter and as he's making the pull uh drew's left arm is in book's left arm mm. so he's literally pulling his arm back and he gets off the screen and then nothing no no call nothing the same exact play at the other end, actually less egregious as that, Drew Holiday gets the foul call. Like, bro, what are we doing out here? Mm -hmm. Like, it's just, it's completely un, uh, unfair, and it's lopsided, and it's, there's there's a, a legitimate reason why the Suns should have beef with the refs. There just is. Yeah, I wonder if it changes a little bit when KD is playing. Does Book benefit from KD getting superstar calls, and then they kind of give book some of the benefit of the doubt. I mean, that's the only way it's going to change is something like that. I mean, I don't think uh, one day the refs are just going to wake up and finally go, now we need to give Devin Booker the calls uh, just based on his merit. I mean, do you think mm -hmm. winning a championship puts you over the edge as far as getting respect? Because, I mean, we've talked about it over the last couple of seasons. People are like, oh, the Suns were a fluke. This isn't really like who the Suns are kind of a thing. 
do you have to actually win a championship to be now considered that's who they are? Embiid gets calls. Jokic gets calls. They haven't won a title. Yeah, you shouldn't. None of this should have a bearing, honestly, on how the game is officiated. Well, it's no, frustrating. Like, I, 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 I tweeted this stat out, but in the eleven matchups, the last eleven matchups against the Bucks with Giannis playing, the Suns have been outshot two hundred and eighty to one hundred and ninety-six in free throw attempts. And Giannis himself has taken 160. So he almost has as many by himself as the Suns do in their last 11 meetings. Like, Sheesh. that's a lot. How lot. many did he miss, though? That, well, like yeah, a, it's a, it's, I mean, a hundred he did, he did miss a good amount, except for in game <laughs> fucking six. Yeah. <laughs> but, yeah, um, yeah it, it's I the Suns were very clear, like, this is not the sole reason that we lost. Like, they beat us. Um, and we're not even saying that all of them weren't fouls. It's just frustrating when, you know, Tory Craig gets bulldozed over twice and they're both called fouls on him somehow. Like it, it comes to a certain point where it's not even a matter of not getting calls and getting calls. It's a matter of we're having these conversations with officials to try and figure out what the hell we can do. And we're not getting any clarity other than, you know, the obvious weight room, which I'm sorry, like nobody on earth in the weight room is going to stop that guy if he's charging like that. So. It's tough. Well, can I recommend you some Four Peaks beer to maybe take the edge off a little bit when well, it comes to watching Suns games and dealing with the officials? Sure. I thought you were suggesting getting the refs drunk before the game, and that might happen. I mean, maybe if you gift them, <laughs> give them some a 15-pack of Four Peaks, maybe they will be happier and, you know, give you a favorable whistle. I don't know. At this point, I'm willing to try whatever it takes. And if that's sending out a pack of Four Peaks beer, then we're going to do that. But until then, if you want to pick up some Four Peaks beer, you can stop by your local grocery store and grab some, whether it's the Suns Brew, the Wow Wheat, the Hazy IPA, the Kilt Lifter, you name it. Four Peaks has a beer that will be perfect for your taste in beverages. And if you are looking for something fun to do this upcoming Friday for St. Patty's Day, Four Peaks 8th Street Pub is going to be popping. So make sure you check it out. Just a reminder, though, you do have to be 21 years or older to drink Four Peaks beer, and we ask that you enjoy responsibly. So last night we didn't do very well on our DraftKings pick of the games. Yeah, None okay. of us won, but that's okay because you live to see another day on the DraftKings Sportsbook app. There's always an opportunity to make some money. I'm going to spring this one on you guys, but you got a pick for this week that you think might actually bring in some change? Yeah, what you I got? Do. ASU's winning tonight. You think so? Against Nevada. Okay. They are. And wow, I'm not, surprised, Saul. Not only will they win, they will win by double digits. Oh. Are you winning for real right now, or are you trying to, I like, jinx this? I'm a million percent uh, serious about that. You know what? I'm going to help him out. I'm going to take Nevada plus the points tonight uh, and uh, take it to the bank. Nevada is going to beat the Sun Devils, so... Pick who you want. One way <laughs> Pick whatever side you want or you make both bets. Then you'll win either way. But either way, download the DraftKings Sportsbook app and sign up with the code PHNX because new customers can bet $5 on the NBA and get $200 in bonus bets instantly. So no matter what way your bet goes, as far as the DraftKings Sportsbook app and signing up with code PHNX, you're still going to get $200 in bonus bets. So it is a win-win all around. Devils Only at DraftKings Sportsbook, an official sports betting partner of the NBA. Again, that code is PHNX. Minimum age and eligibility restrictions apply. See show notes for details. Okay, Luis sent us a super chat. Thank you for your super chat. They said, we know what Book and 35 can do offensively. We know this. 
We really need DA, CP3, and the rest of the bench to step it up because if the play, if the playoffs, they will expose the lack of offense from the rest in the playoffs. Uh, so I think when Kevin Durant gets back, a lot of these issues are mitigated a little bit because we saw in that it was only three games. We saw in that three-game stretch CP3 have more space than he's seen in years. We've seen it even for Book, um, and he's going to be the guy that defenses aside from KD need to focus on. I think with DA, they need to figure out how to get him a little bit more involved. And looking, this is something I'm writing about for tomorrow on GoPHNX, the quality of looks he's gotten the last few games without KD versus the three that we saw with KD. And going back through the film, a lot of it is because they are just gearing their offense towards what is open and they are collapsing on DA because they know the Suns have the passers to hit him for easy looks. Um, some of it is his mid-range jump shot hasn't been as effective recently as it's been for the majority of the season. That's part of it. Um, but it is something they need to figure out ways around because they do need to get him enough touches to keep him involved, to keep him engaged, because it's a tough ask to have this guy just set screens and be the gravity guy the whole time. But his gravity has opened up a ton of open shots on the perimeter um, and when you have an open three, that is a, a quality shot, especially with the way that Josh Kogi has been shooting recently, the way that I know it doesn't feel like it, but the way that Craig shot the ball the majority of the season, they just need to find counters, ways that they can get him maybe in the mid-range a little bit more and run some empty side pick and rolls with Chris Paul to keep him involved. Use your spacing to draw them away and work that pick and roll that's been so effective for the last couple of years. I have a number. Okay. I have a number. I have a number that I think we could all look to uh, and and know that if they hit this number, they will win these games. Okay, okay. between DA and CP3, they need combined. They need to come through with 35 points. I think if that happens, they win most of their games, if not all of them. Uh, I just you can't have a scenario, and we saw it against bad teams, you know where. DA has 10 points, eight points. Uh, Chris Paul has eight to 10 points against the good, good teams. That's not going to be enough. Mm -hmm. Like they have to do more. And now Chris Paul's having 12, 14 assists, but fuck any, it feels like anybody could go out there and dishes off to KD and, and book and get 10. Like, I, I know that's not the I same. Know. I know he's going to argue. I, I know he doesn't like that. But I'm saying like, it's not true. It's not right. It's, it's just, Be careful like, what you wish for. We I, might have to watch how about this? How about, the, how about this? How about this? The, your percentage increases when you're handing the ball off to guys like that, and KD and Devin Booker. Okay. Yeah. yeah. Um, but I do just like I said before the season, where I felt like the the season was all going to be predicated on the performances of Da and Mikhail and Cam. And if those three didn't show up, then it was going to be a tough season. And there were times where those three didn't show up, and it was. It was a grind. Now, injuries, obviously, and all those things are a factor. But I think now that instead of those three, now it's really CP3 and DA. If those guys don't show up and take advantage of the opportunities that I think Kevin Durant and Devin Booker are going to provide them, then you're going to see them struggle against really, really good teams. So we And unfortunately, we're not going to get to see that until like the last week of the season when they actually have matchups against some good teams and KD is healthy and, and can play. But... Um, I just feel like DA just needs he he needs to he needs to produce more and he needs to be a lot more dominant when he gets those opportunities 
And I feel like they were trying to figure that out when KD was in the fold. Um, and, it, and it's still a learning process. And when everybody talks about it's not about KD when he comes back, it's more about the, the, the supporting cast around him. That's what they're going to point to. They're going to look at DA, you know, guys like JJ Redick and, 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 and uh, Zach Lowe have pointed that out numerous times about how, how DA just seems like there is no, there's no purpose for him on the offensive side of the ball because the gravity is always going out to KD and, 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 and book because they're not figuring out how to really maximize that. They will, they will, but it's going to take some time. Um, I'm, I'm done with the thought that you can maximize DA. DA's role is going to be to score off of pick and rolls and off of rebounds that they can get. I just every time we want to act like this guy can be something, he he disappoints. So I'm I'm done with the thought that he can be more than what he's been uh, at any given time. I, this is going to come down to how he how he plays in the pick and roll and if he shows aggression on on the boards and defensively that's where i think his impact in the be. playoff run he wasn't they weren't running sets for him either no i agree that yeah. would that's a maximized da because he's taking advantage of the opportunities that are there yes, right I, that's no. what i'm talking okay about. So, i'm not yeah, talking not about talking. you're not designing plays for, for okay, DA. you're that's just not fair, right like you're yeah. designing plays for for book and kd but when he has those opportunities to take advantage He's got to be able to do that. Otherwise, we're getting bounced in the second round this year too. Yeah, I'm just I'm back at the you know, I'm done getting super excited when Da has a week that he's averaging 25 and 15. Like, I I I want to see consistent effort. I need I need 16 and and 12. Like, give me 16 and 12 a night, and I'm gonna feel like you're getting something out of him as long as he's not making little mental mistakes that cost this team. Right. You, you look at his production recently without KD, and, and part of the frustration over the last week is that he hasn't been able to step up and shoulder more of the offensive load. And again, I say he just doesn't have the skill set to create his own offense. And when you take KD out of the equation and you don't have Mikhail and Cam Johnson shooting or floor spacing, it really cramps things for him in the middle. That makes his life difficult. So if Josh Akogi, if Torrey Craig, if guys like that aren't hitting, if Damian Lee's not playing, that hinders his space even more. They're just going to sag in and take away a really efficient shot for him. Um, and the foul trouble last night obviously didn't help because he was playing well in that first half. But it is one of those situations where people are expecting him to shoulder the load offensively right now. He's never been a guy who creates a ton of his own offense. You maximize him when KD is back with proper floor spacing, with his gravity, with setting good screens, with crashing the offensive glass, with running the floor in transition. Those are all the telltale signs we've seen of DA the last few years that contributed to that finals run of him doing the little things, um, obviously defensively as well. And, and I think he'll be good, better about that once Kevin Durant is back. They just need to find a way to get him more involved during this stretch right now. And I think part of that is they've got to put more floor spacers out on the floor with him. Well, yeah, I mean, the last two games, they haven't shot very many threes and, and they haven't have and shot made, well, <laughs> haven't made them either. Mm. So like that, that's part of it. But I think that 16 and 16 game we saw from DA when KD was out there and book was out there. That's kind of uh, that kind that's kind of what I want to see is be highly engaged on the boards, mm. help them get some second chance looks. That's going to be highly impactful. And if you give me 16 to 20, 
bonus. You know, I love how I laughed like 30 seconds ago and then saw just saw the same thing. Well, and I, right I now. read the first comment that had me in it because all I care about is myself. <laughs> and then I saw the, the <laughs> I was trying to I saw it out of the corner of my eye and I was trying to listen to Espo, but I like had to smile. So Girth Burner sent us a super chat and oh. said, you guys like my new fresh cut? This is terrifying. Gerald, you got your hair done. <laughs> this is a terrifying precedent to set. <laughs> <laughs> we have an Espo burner and a girth burner. Oh, no. I can't wait for the Look Lindsay at you guys. Saul burner. Look they at you literally guys. pulled my profile picture from like back in the day, too. Fantastic. It's Zewio. That's tough. Zewio uh, returns. <laughs> He's back. <laughs> Going back to your conversation, Louis sent another super chat, and Gerald also wanted to know if rebounding is an issue with this team. I think it, I don't think it has been as prevalent just because they've been crashing the offensive glass to get themselves extra possessions um i think having kevin duran out there obviously makes it a lot better when you have a seven footer playing that that three or that four spot um and and i do think Kogi has done a decent job on the glass with that starting unit so i think they're going to be okay on that front once they're healthy i think for the time being they do need to find ways to continue to like Tory Craig, DA and Josh Akogi statistically are all really great offensive rebounders. They need to provide extra possessions, especially if they're going to keep shooting the ball the way that they have been recently. Uh, they were awful last night. Now a lot of flat footed standing and watching last night. Mm -hmm. uh, if that shit doesn't change, listen, the bucks are a very, very good team. Like, and they're going to make people look foolish, but these are, we're talking about things that are controllable within yourself and there was too many guys standing around last night for my liking relying on their athleticism as opposed to actually their technique looking seeking a defender boxing him out and then attacking the boards and uh that's just fundamental basketball and that's that's the thing that disappointed me about their effort last night they got to do much much better yeah effort and energy it's like where why can't you find consistency with at least that yeah. you know yeah. I mean, that said, and it felt like they got their ass kicked. It still was only five rebound differences, 46-41 on the boards in favor of the Bucks too. So I think this team's capable of it and capable of hanging in there with uh, with opponents. But you're right. they got to be engaged, and they just haven't been. For reference, the Suns ranked ninth in rebounds per game total, 20th in defensive rebounds per game and sixth in offensive rebounds. So they're doing a lot of the heavy with lifting in that initial ranking by crashing the offensive glass. They could tighten up defensively, but I think KD will help with that a little bit. Well, and most of those come, uh, most of those offensive rebounds have come in those games where the entire team just can't shoot in, in one <laughs> night. So Blessings. RV sent us a super chat and said, time we trade DA now, seen enough of him. <sighs> and we got a couple people in the chat who are have feeling the same way. Um, I'm not on board with that just yet. You can't trade him right now. Let's revisit it in the summer. Let's see what happens well, I mean, well, between I, now and That's what they're talking you about. You literally can't trade him no, right now, yeah. So. <laughs> no, so they're saying as soon as good. you're available yeah. to be able to trade I, him, let's move him. No, right. I get that. But. All right. Let, Jesus <clears throat> bless America. All right. <laughs> let, let's let's talk about that. If you really want to go down this road, they, they traded Mikhail, Cam, and Jay for KD. And four picks mm -hmm. for KD. Uh, if you think you're going to trade DA and get anything significant in return, then, then you're 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 just high. It's not going to happen. Why do, you, why do you say that? I just don't think that they're like for this fan base, for our fan base. I just don't think that whatever they get in return for DA is going to satisfy everybody. 
Mm-hmm. It's just not. It's going to be too little. James Jones sucks. Everybody else is garbage. These guys are scrubs. They can't do what they need to do. Imagine trading a first-round pick for this guy or first overall pick for this guy. What a waste. Like it, Nobody's ever going to be happy. And it's just like DA is actually a good fit for what they're what they're going to try to accomplish and, and the pieces around him. Because, yeah, he might want to score more, but he doesn't need to. He can rely on the other guys and just rebound and do the same things that we asked him to do in the finals run. Like that's that should be it. I, I think if he does those things, then yeah, I don't see the purpose in trading for him. But if you go into this playoff run and you need him to do those little things that they've needed him to do, and we've seen what happens when he does those things, like 2021, and we've seen during the regular season, during some of these spells where he doesn't, I, I do think it is something you consider. And it's not because you're going to get a player on par with what DA is individually. It's because you believe that if you have just an above average center who protects the rim, who sets good screens, who rolls hard, crashes the glass, you can allocate instead of spending max money on a center who doesn't create a lot of his own offense, you can allocate some of that money into another shot creator, into another wing defender and get a replacement caliber center in the process. Like you're not going to get a top five center by trading DA. It's all about, allocating that money somewhere else into skill sets that fit your system better. Look at, the, look at this comment what, from Will Ca- Wild Captain, Capitan, Well Capitan, whatever. Mm-hmm. Uh, a trade for a starting caliber center and small forward would be good. Do you really think you're going to get a starting caliber center and small forward for DA? I, I don't know about both, but I think you can get you can get a starting caliber center just about anywhere because you just need somebody who can protect the rim, who can defend in space, and who can set good screens. But like there's for not that many system. guys like that in the league. Wow Factor can, said that, you can trade him for... That can defend in space? That's a, a huge de- ask for a lot of centers. It is, but it's not as uncommon. Like, DA has not been that great defensively this season. Like, when he's been on and he does those things, yeah, it's great, but they have him in the drop a lot of the time. So their defensive scheme, because they're undersized behind him, can't even capitalize on that skill set on the perimeter like it, it's not it's not something that he's bringing to the table right now his rim protection hasn't been great this season it's gotten better over the last month or so but unless if he locks in defensively for this playoff run and does those little things no you don't need to trade him because he can maximize what's around him but if he doesn't i think you do need to seriously consider it and see what you can get to you can't waste booker and kevin durant and you can't wait for DA to suddenly flip the switch and decide, okay, now I'm going to continue to do the things I talk about doing all the but time. But why would we even trust it if he does it in the playoffs? We saw him do it in the playoffs. He's done it in and, twi- two back-to-back yeah, playoffs. No, he did not last year. He was not the same guy he was in, in the finals run last year as he was this year. In the Pelican series, yes. You in the flip flop no. so much How, how do I DA? flip-flop? No, I don't. Not in the playoffs, no, I don't. No. Not even a little bit in the playoffs, Espo. Like, like in, well, the, in he, the regular he season, sh- yeah, he's been trash. He was trash at the beginning of the season. Yeah. Like everybody in their mom, my blind grandma could see that he was trash at the beginning of the season. I did not flip flop. I don't okay. like that you say that because I'm sitting here telling you like he was trash at the beginning of the season. I called him out for being trash at the beginning of the season. Then he played better. And I'm like, okay, this is the DA we okay, expect. That's, in that's the playoffs, fair. he's been largely consistent in the playoffs. He literally saved us in, in that Pelican series without DA 
you don't win that series at all. Chris Paul had a huge part to that too as well. But DA was fantastic in that Pelican series. The, the Mavericks series was kind of mid for him. Okay. Like you can take a few games here and there, whatever. But for the most part in DA's playoff career, he has been as consistent as you could hope him to be. Okay, but is that enough to then go through another regular season like we we continually experience with him, waiting for him to be something else? I don't know. Like to me, I think we all can agree they the best deal that they were ever going to have was when Indy wanted to trade Sabonis for him. And if you play revisionist history, that may have been the one where you go, well, that could have worked out a little bit better. But then you go, I don't know, does KD wind up here if you do that? I, I have no idea. The thing is, you're now committed to paying him max money. Who's going to want to trade for him at max money? And uh, and how do we... Uh, how do we deal with that? How can you? And you're 100 percent right. And it doesn't matter who they get; the fans aren't going to be happy with it. No, you're you're 100 percent yeah, right. Oh, I know that. There's yeah. like nobody's gonna gonna be happy, even even if it's a better fit for the team. There's there's no win here. And my apologies. You're right. That's not flip flopping. You're reacting to to the situation in season. But you're right. In the playoffs, he's shown up. But I just think. I don't know that that's worth the juice is worth the squeeze on that. If you, I mean, if we're talking about winning a championship, well, if they you would win think it, that yes. that is that is worth the squeeze, right? Yeah, like mm-hmm. I, I would, I would say that. Like if if they have another run to the finals and Da does exactly what he's done for the most part, like for eighty five percent of his playoff career, then I would be more than happy with that for this particular team. Now, if you trade him away, and you're thinking, okay, I and I, I I'm, obviously we haven't done any you know, research on this to figure out because we didn't know that this question was going to come about. But like right. to try and find right. that one guy that would be the perfect fit for what this group does. I'm I'm gonna go on a limb and say, I don't think that player exists because there's too many people out there that want him to just be a rim protector, no offense, or they want the offense, but you know, you could sacrifice the defense, or they want the best player ever. Uh, like you're not getting Jokic, you're not getting all these elite caliber players, and I think that's the unrealistic expectation of Da right now is that that everybody has been saying, oh, he should be a David Robinson or a Kemalajuan caliber player, but really you're getting Lamarcus Aldridge, maybe. Like, is that good enough? Well, if you're surrounding him with KD and Book, it should be. It should be if he does those things but that's the thing is like i feel like for a lot of people it's also just coming to the realization that he's not gonna be an offensive hub and if he is your offensive hub you're gonna struggle to score with him as the number one or the number two guy in this system with kd and book filling those slots like yeah you can maximize him because when he rolls and he's surrounded by shooters he's gonna do what he does best he has good mid-range touch like I don't want it to come off as we're not acknowledging the fact that he is an elite play finisher because he is. He's really efficient in those regards. But when you need a bucket, you don't have him as a guy that you can pass the ball to and watch him create something. And that's what differentiates him. And that's why it's so frustrating when he doesn't do the little things, because if he's not able to just dribble in the short roll and finish at the rim, and then he's also, you know, missing assignments defensively or not crashing the offensive glass or just kind of not rolling with intention. It can be frustrating to watch or when he bobbles a pass or whatever. Like, I think people are really way too hard on D.A. when that happens, but it does seem to happen at critical junctures, at least recently. Um, and I think people need to reset their expectations for what he is and what he can bring to the table. I just don't think D.A. can win here. No. 
Not not literally. No, he can. With, with he absolutely no, no, no. can. No, no. That's why I'm said not literally. I'm talking fig figuratively. He can't win no matter what he does. No, I, there I disagree will always that. be people mad at him. I disagree with that. It's legitimately like if he just does those things that I've listed off and the Suns keep winning, it'll be fine. I think during this stretch, no, he can't win because people expect him to produce on offense. And that's just not his skill set. That's not but, in his wheelhouse. But okay, we say he can't produce on offense. He has his best you know, per game scoring average of his career right now, 18.4. He's eighth in rebounds per game. Like, so he's doing something. I think, I think it's just this, there was such a vast ex expectation. And how do you overcome that vast expectation to just be the guy that's, that's good, probably one of, if not the best center the franchise has ever had and, and just be able to be that. And I think, if they win a title to Saul's point and he does those things in the playoffs like he has, maybe that's the point. Maybe that's when everybody goes, you know what? We're all right with this DA because they reached the title. And I think that was a very good point that Saul made. The, on the other day he had what, 25 and 12, was it against the Warriors? 27 and 12. And yeah. there were still people like, that's not enough. It was Fuck his fault. DA. It's his fault. Like, dude, the what Sacramento are we doing Kings here? game was all DA's like, fault. Like, damn, son, like, it doesn't matter. It feels like the guy could drop 50 and 30 in a game and still people would be like, well, he doesn't do it every game. Fuck DA. I was like, dude, I just, I'm so over the DA but we, hate. DA gets the most of that, but we see it with a lot of players on this team not named Devin Booker. I mean, even people are mad at Kevin Durant it's already. literally everyone. Karen like, draws. Kevin Durant Everybody. has been here for three games. He's played three games, gets, and we're already mad at him. Like, fluke, I just, I don't get it. Like it's a get fluke it. injury, and people are like, we lost the trade. Look what Mikel's doing in Brooklyn. I'm like, dude, I am He's so injury prone sick of it. I like am that tired was, of it. Like that DA was some, is an man. easy scapegoat. And as Laking Ball says in his super chat, or their super chat, I think all this DA hate is crazy. He's a good player. It just comes down to who they could have or should have drafted in Luka or Trey Young, and that's it. I, I think I think DA is a scapegoat. I does he does sometimes he not live up to his expectations? Yes, of course. I don't think any player fully lives up to their expectations 100% of the time. No. And yes, he could elevate his game, like you said, and all the things you listed. But I still think that DA is going to have haters no matter what. He is. And it's they're both ends of the spectrum on this debate are annoyingly, exhaustingly toxic. Exhausting. But I do think it's okay <laughs> to expect more from him compared to other players, considering he's a fucking number one overall pick and a max contract player. You have Kevin Durant and Devin Booker. You cannot be wasting a max contract on a guy that you're waiting to figure it out. And I do think that DA has an opportunity to do that once KD gets back. I think the three games that we saw from him, people were complaining about how little touches he was getting, but his gravity was opening up so much on offense and the Suns' offense was rolling. And I think that's far more important than how many shots DA is getting. And I think that's what frustrates me about this is people look at touches and they look at points and they look at box scores and they don't watch the actual games and see when DA is having an impact and when he is not. And I think he can be a difference maker for this team. So that's what's frustrating. And that's why I'm waiting till the playoffs to say, oh, they should trade him or they shouldn't trade him. Like, let him go out and see what he can do if this team is fully healthy. And then you make your decision from there. But as of right now, I think a lot of people have unrealistic expectations about what he can and can't do on offense. And it's just exhausting talking about him. My question is, who made DA a number one pick and who gave DA a max contract? It doesn't matter. Like James if, Jones. If but you he didn't do it himself. <laughs> so we're blaming him for something that the team offered him. 
I mean, he literally went out and signed a max contract with another it's team. And if somebody to turn offered you that money, you would not. be like, no, 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 <laughs> I'm Espo, not working. You guys can't be obtuse and act like giving a max contract to a guy doesn't mean that there are higher expectations for him. There just are. I know, but they chose to do that. The Pacers chose to do that, and the Suns match because that's the only thing that you do in that situation. There's a reason they did not offer him the max. They didn't want to pay him that. Well, then they should have had a different game plan to not allow it to get to the point where another team could offer him that. They did, and they should have, and we agreed with that. We agreed the summer before they should have given him that contract then instead of taking it to restricted free agency and backing themselves into a corner. I agree with that. I think we need to do one thing when it comes to DA, okay? And that one thing is... Look, I think Midge said it best. I expect 30 and 50 a night. <laughs> oh, no. Look what you guys got us doing here on a Wednesday afternoon. We've got a whole off. Don't look at your things. clock. We just keep going. No, I needed to know what going. day it was. Hey, we've, we've got an off season of Trade Machine Tuesdays to discuss yeah. what to do with No, this. I don't want to. 25 straight weeks of them, baby. No. Let's go. We're only doing one a week if we're doing that. I'm trying to handle it. I can't. No. no, I'm saying one trade a week. That's oh, it. my God. I can only think up so many trades, and I get tired of it. Uh, all right. We'll talk about more sons here in just a little bit. But first, let me tell you about more furniture. They have great furniture and something for every single room in the house. So if you are in the market for a new couch, some chairs, maybe a dining room table, make sure that you check out our friends over at More Furniture where you can save big on the best furniture in the valley by heading to morefurniture.com. Also, make sure you splurge for the white glove delivery because they take care of all the heavy lifting literally for you when it comes to buying new furniture. So once again, check them out at morefurniture.com. I don't know about you guys, but I am legitimately hungry. Like I can, I don't know if you can hear my tummy grumbling. Probably should have eaten before the show. It would have probably made me a little less angry about all of these conversations. Should have went to Illegal Pete's. I'm. I feel like I need to go there after this show wraps up. <laughs> it is happy hour. It's three to six every single day at Illegal Pete's. They've got burritos. They've got bowls. They've got tacos, queso, all the things, everything that you need for a perfect meal. Plus some of the best margaritas in town. And nothing cures that, quote, my bracket is busted in the first round that we may all experience here this week. (laughs) Like fresh limes, lots of tequila and sweet agave. Make sure you try out Illegal Pete's coin premium or frozen margarita. And like I said, happy hours three to six every single day. So make sure you guys stop by. Um, Okay. We have a lot left in the show. Yeah, let's go. Do you guys want to just do all of it? Let's do it. Let's do it. We planned it. We might want to go. Well, first things first, we did talk a little bit about Kevin Durant. (laughs) So some Brooklyn Nets fans do miss Kevin Durant. Some may claim they don't, but KD called them out today. Uh, So BK Nets tweets tweeted out, KD was always pissed that the Nets couldn't win games without him. One of his main reasons he asked for a trade. Now the Suns literally can't compete with any team without him. LOL. And then KD in a delete or a tweet it? and delete Can said, uh, "Just say you miss me. Stop being weird. Stop being <laughs> weird. I wish you wouldn't have deleted it. He should have left it up. I thought that was one of his more polite comebacks. Yeah, to people yeah. I agree. Yeah. Again, you just can't satisfy everybody. Mm. It's it's just uh, it, 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 somebody said it. I think Bleach One Eighty Two said it perfect. Like Mikhail gets traded." For one of the greatest generational scores of all time, 
not good enough. And it's not good enough. Yeah. Oh, we should have never <laughs> traded Mikhail. Like, well, fuck. Do you think the Suns would have traded Mikhail if they, if they, if they, if they didn't want to? Like they had to. Yeah, they tr- they tried Landry Shamit, Tory Craig, uh, uh, Jay Crowder at Sorry, three no. seconds, but they said no. Well, yeah, I don't know why. I don't understand. You know what I mean? And so like with this, it's it's like there's this always. Man, it feels like every NBA fan base is so toxic as f. And it's so funny as Damian Lillard literally talked about this too um, on the JJ Redick podcast, and he brought up this whole like basically Dame is not happy with the way the NBA climate is and the discourse around it because everybody all they want to talk about is do you have a ring did you get a championship there are some scrubby ass scrubs out there that have that have won rings Robert and and don't deserve a ring compared to the accomplishments of other players in this game and what dame was talking about is like just enjoy the ride just enjoy the ride like i said that all last year is like dude you don't know how this is going to end enjoy these games while we last and we still find ways to be upset about things that happen. This year has been up and down. So I can understand the roller coaster that everybody's on. But fuck, you got KD. Be happy with that. He's a great talent. He's fun to watch. He's injured right now, but it's going to be okay. And Mikhail can thrive and you can be happy for him. But that doesn't mean that the Suns made a mistake by trading him. NBA fandom is basically the bachelor. There's like all these people that just want to ring. Well, guess what? Only one's getting them, all right? <laughs> Only one. Yeah, I... I feel like that tweet just misses the whole assignment and doesn't understand the context of why things went south in Brooklyn. You had Kevin Durant, Kyrie Irving, and James Harden and couldn't stay healthy, couldn't stay out there together. That's completely different than trading two of your best four players to bring Kevin Durant in. And honestly, like, they looked just fine with Kevin Durant out there. You know how many games those guys played together? It was like 17 or 18? 11! Look, also, the, there's a flaw in that tweet. They can't compete. They competed in these three games. They yeah. couldn't finish. That's different, all right? right? They played a Warriors team that's been one of the best offenses with Steph Curry, a Kings team that's literally the number one offense in the league and the number two team in the West, and the fucking Bucks, who are the best team in the NBA right now. Like, they, And they were in all of those games despite falling behind early. Like, They need to get off to better starts, but they're competing. They're going to be fine. Our chat is so funny right now. Todd said, you are the toxic ones hating on Aiden. Be better. Boosty said, it's just Twitter. It's not NBA Twitter or Suns Twitter that's toxic. It's just Twitter. And then where's the where'd the other one go? Uh, T. Gino said, Katie is literally on your team chasing a ring. LOL. Are, are we the are we the drama? No, no we're, he didn't, he's not on our team chasing a ring. He, He's already got rings. I hate that term chasing a ring. Like these guys aren't all fucking chasing a ring. Like that's the whole point of the season. My precious. I hate that shit. Chasing a ring. <laughs> it's not like, okay, this ain't Gary Payton and Carl Malone joining the Lakers. Like just to try to ride some coattails to get some hardware here. Oh, this is crazy. Today's today is not this is not what I anticipated. It's a crazy this day. show, to like, be completely honest it's with cloudy you. Cloudy outside. Like um all right well in your hearts moving on to the next topic (laughs) hopefully this one we can all agree on maybe not but i'm thinking that we probably can i have a new goal for the show by the way what's that my new goal for the show is to make gerald laugh once (laughs) because i've heard it once and now i'm addicted to it uh hopefully this is a change that we can all agree on we got word from shams that a little while back that the nba and nbpa are moving closer to 
an agreement to establish a rule that a player must play a minimum number of games to be eligible for major awards as part of potential new collective bargaining agreement, sources say. So obviously this is in the future, not for this season. But are we all in agreement that this is probably a positive thing? I am. I think this is a good thing. I think so. Like, yeah, I don't. I don't think it'll fix the the everything, but I think it's the right thing to do. The one thing that I would like to see them tweak is also applying that towards the All Star game, mm. because I don't think a player that misses you know thirty games in the first half of the season should be eligible to play in the All Star game. Um, if you've been injured for the last month leading up to the All Star game, you should also not be able to participate in the All Star game. I don't give a damn what the fans want. Like, I want to see guys that deserve it, that've been busting their ass all season long, that have rewarded the fans by participating in these games. Um, I want them to show up to these games. And also, if maybe, if maybe, I'm just gonna throw this out there. If maybe we stop voting these guys that don't deserve to be in the All Star game because they are the most popular players, maybe the game might be competitive again. Maybe it'll actually do something to the game and make it a little bit more competitive because now you got guys that are making their first, second appearance after being in the league for seven, eight years that are thirsty and hungry and want to prove that they belong in that game, playing in that game, and really showing out. I don't know. That's just my two cents. Also, Charles says all-star chosen by the fans, partly by the fans. It's also players and coaches involved. Yeah. I The thing with all-star voting is, like, they start it so early, and all-star season is already, like, usually around the 60 to 75% yeah. mark of the season, and they start it, like, a month beforehand. So by the time you name your starters, like, things have changed drastically. Like, Zion missed a whole month in between that. Um, but I, I like the parameters. I don't know how much it's going to change a ton. I feel like voters for end of season awards already take games. I think it into changes account. the picking and choosing when you want to apply it to a player, because sometimes we see that Zion is a perfect example. Book missed too many games to be eligible to be in the play in the all-star game, but Zion can miss a whole bunch of games and still be, but that's all-star. This is, end of I know, season, but right? I'm just saying that as an example, you're not, you're going to tell me that voters don't look at, how many games one player missed, but ignore how many games another player missed when it comes to awards as well? I feel like for end of season stuff, there aren't that many examples of that compared to like all star. Like all like I said, with all star, you're voting a month before you even find out who the hell the all stars are and shit changes in between that time. I feel like it might, you know, take one or two guys out of the running, like even book this year. If he misses another game or two, depending on what they set that parameter at, he might miss the 55 game mark and would be ineligible and i think a lot of us would agree when he's been on the court he has been an all nba caliber player so that would affect him but for like actual like defensive player six man of the year that type of stuff i i don't know how much it'll affect it that much I, it, there i don't think this curbs load management though and I, no. I think that's what they're hoping to try to accomplish and i don't i don't know that how you're ever going to curb load management unless you start the season at the beginning of October, and you eliminate back-to-backs altogether. Like, that's the only way to do it. That's that's the biggest thing that I think they need to do. They need to eliminate the back-to-backs because some of these back-to-backs, frankly, are absurd. Mm -hmm. Like, they don't make any sense. Why would you, first of all, why would you do a back-to-back in the same location with the same team. Like, that doesn't make any sense to me outside of you just want to get it over with so they don't have to travel back to the East Coast or whatever. Um, the back-to-back -back with the Warriors and the Bucks. you mean to tell me you couldn't space those two games out? That was like, crazy. That is nuts. Yeah. 
You're literally playing the two top teams in the, in the league at that point. Like well, and three just, and four nights with Kings. Three and four nights. Wars well, and nobody could have expected the Kings I, I know, to be but, where the Kings but still, are. Okay. But still, three and four nights is, is atrocious. <laughs> yeah. Like, and they have. I looked at the schedule and I looked at how everything kind of lined up. <laughs> there are plenty of opportunities to have games in between days mm. or, or breaks in between days, mm. and then you can still have two-day breaks in between there as well mm. to kind of space things out. Like, it's possible. It might take a little bit longer on the East Coast. You might have a two-week, um, you know, uh, road trip instead of just eight days. But, hell, at least at least for the players, they take that, that excuse of load management away to some degree. I want to see these guys play. I want to see the best of the best play against each other. I want to see the best teams play against each other. I'm tired of the Suns playing against... Team A, who's missing two of their stars, and so we don't get to really see that until we get to the playoffs, and we finally get to see what these teams are really all about. Like, I'm, I'm tired of it. I want to see the best players against the best players. That's why these leagues exist. It's the best against the best. I, I think until the NBA accepts that the only actual solution to this, to avoiding injuries, to preventing teams from keeping their guys out, because we should keep in mind with the load management thing, it's very rare where it's the player himself saying, like, yeah. I don't want to play tonight or I just need a night off. It's the teams holding them out because of their medical regimen or whatever. I think until the NBA accepts that it needs to shorten the schedule, we're going to continue to see this. And there's no solution for that because they're never going to sacrifice the money of those extra regular season games. Where's the science, though, too? I mean, have it does not. And admittedly, I have not gone through and done done the research, but it does not feel like we have seen injuries be limited by this mindset no. of, of load management <laughs> as a whole. It seemed so I'd love an actual study done by the league looking into does the concept of load management actually lead to a prevention in injuries or is this a construct that's been created that's hurting the game without the real facts behind well, it? I think what's happened here is, is that back in the day, because medical staffs would be like teams of two, yeah. <laughs> um, a guy would be like, you know, he might have a little bit of a, you know, eh, my ankle's not feeling completely right, but I'm going to go out there anyway and play. Yeah. Um, whereas now it's like, no, the team, like Gerald said, is saying, no, you're going to sit this out. We're going to ramp you up. We're going to, you know, we're going to limit your minutes restrictions and all these other things that go into it. Um, but again, like if the guys aren't playing in the first place, then, you know, I would love to see the science behind that as well to a certain degree. They're it's not going to do that, though, because then if the science says that they need to change, they're not going to want to follow through on that. No, because they'll have to sacrifice money. Exactly. And, that, and I do think it's worth pointing out that guys now in the NBA are more athletic. And so every jab cut every dunk every leap they're exerting more on their bodies than i think we've seen in the past like it's just the nature of human evolution guys are getting more athletic and but but but, but my counter argument to that is that we don't see these guys in the summer but i know for a fact these dudes go day after day sometimes playing pickup ball with other nba players playing for three four five hours at a pop not just an hour not just 48 minutes, like it's grueling games. And so I'm I'm just in my head, I'm like, if you could do that during the summer, and I know it's only for a month or two or whatever, because you're trying to get ready for the season. Why, if we space this out, you can't do that during the regular season. It just doesn't compute to me. Well, and you bring up that the guys are more athletic. And there's no doubt about that. But the recovery technology and approaches have become 
more as well. So as those guys have advanced physically, they've added things in. I mean, cryotherapy 10 years ago had never been heard of. It was nuts when the Suns brought this metal tube in that guys got in and they basically uh, you know, f- froze them with it and, and, and all these things. Now it's like, just money. Well, yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah. Come on. But, but that's during the game. We were almost getting yeah. <laughs> close to the end. Uh, so, so, yeah, I think I, there's so many factors. And I'm not saying compare the 80s to now. I'm just saying look at the, the years that load management has become a, a thing of discussion and, and an active practice. And look if you're seeing actual injury rates decline. And if you're not, you go to the teams, you go, look, guys. The, the data doesn't prove this. Let's try to figure out ways around this. But, I don't think we're going to see a change. Though. No, but you're also seeing longevity throughout a player's total career as well. Mm. Like players, Chris Paul's 37, right? 36, mm-hmm. 37? 37. LeBron's up there. Steph Curry turned 30, 35. Yeah, 35 the other night. Like they're playing way longer than I think most mm-hmm. athletes back in the day played. Mm-hmm. So there is longevity there. I don't know if that plays yeah. into it or, or not as yeah. well. And then on top of that, you've monetized so more, so much more. These players have monetized everything that has to do with themselves way more than any players back in the eighties did. And that's just based on the fact that where we are in this world and technology and social media and marketing and all those things. But like, that all plays into it too. Feel, you want to get the most money from your career as you possibly can. I feel like each player now is uh, a representative of like a corporate structure where you have to get 18,000 fucking signatures mm-hmm. just to get something approved. Yeah. That's what I feel like each individual player has to go through in order to get back on the court sometimes. And it's just, it's frustrating for fans. It's frustrating for us um, watching these games and knowing <laughs> that, you know, you think player a could be out there and he looks like he's in pregame warm-up doing everything and you're like why isn't he playing tonight oh it's because it's low management I'm like, oh, it's frustrating yeah well if you want to come argue with us or be nice to us in real life you can do that at our phnx watch party that is happening on march 24th at dobson ranch golf course it's going to be a lot of fun we'll be watching the suns take on the kings We'll be playing um, some golf. We'll be having some good it's the drinks. the tea party, baby. Some food. Let's go. A whole bunch of other uh, little competition like cornhole, pickleball, Arm ping wrestling. pong, shooting contest. Shots. Shots. Beer pong. Oh. Beer pong. All of that. We're doing <laughs> all that too. Exactly. <laughs> Absolutely. <laughs> all Absolutely. of that too. Uh, this is happening again Friday, March 24th, 5 p.m. Dobson Ranch Golf Course. Uh, get your tickets today. $45 per person, person, $160 per foursome. But if you are a diehard, you get the diehard discount, which makes it $36 per person or $120 per foursome. And you can check that out in the description of this show. Diehards, if you're looking for your link, check the Discord. Also, uh, we have a huge takeover tomorrow. Uh, if you didn't get tickets for that, uh, stay tuned because we have another takeover that we're going to announce I think by Friday, hopefully, uh, and that's going to be epic. So shout out to everybody that's going to join us tomorrow. We will not have a pregame show tomorrow because of that very reason. No pregame show. It's going to be awesome. It's going to be electric. Uh, or are we having a pregame show? No, we're not. I was, okay. I was just going to say, if you really wanted to come to to the game tomorrow, didn't get an opportunity, I may have two tickets that I'll give away. Uh, so you can come see me eat a shoe. So mm, very nice. How exciting. Also, uh, our Sun Devils guys are doing a watch party tonight, a watch along. So you can join them to watch 
ASU <laughs> play against Nevada. Uh, a little revenge game uh, for the Cambridge brothers. So that should be fun. Or at least Des Cambridge, I should say. Some go Devils. So, Let's uh, put that graphic we'll back up. I think in this picture, Bobby Hurley is watching uh, Giannis run over Tory Craig. Here. Yeah. Like, huh? what, like, what the hell? What is it? That's an <laughs> offensive foul. So um, should be fun. So just come join us, please. Yeah, it'll be a blast. Chris in the chat said, I didn't even golf the first time and still loved the tea party. So the golf thing, it's it's like top golf. So it's not like you're going around an entire course and doing this thing. It's like fun golf where you can drink and you can hang out and chat with people around. It's super casual. They have clubs out there. Yeah. So if you don't have clubs, you still can. Yeah, uh, it's not swim. like you have to love golf in order to enjoy this watch party. You just have to love us. Yeah, it's exactly. Um, if you guys are looking for something for dinner, so we already agreed happy hour at Illegal Pete's this afternoon. But if you're looking for something for dinner that is easy and quick and delicious, More you should check out Mountain Mike's Pizza. They brought food into our offices this week, and it's always one of the best days when you roll in and Mountain Mike's Pizza is sitting hot and fresh in the break room. Uh, the ranch dressing. Oh, my God, you guys. They literally brought us like three tubs yeah, full of ranch good. dressing and it was the best day ever their ranch is bomb so mm -hmm. if you like ranch on your pizza or your wings make sure you get a lot from mountain mike's pizza so head on yeah. over to mountainmikespizza.com <laughs> or check out their mesa chandler or tucson locations to place your next order and a reminder if you are a diehard you do get a 50 dollars voucher to mountain Mike, mike's pizza upon signing up we did get update on some internal movement at the suns today from Mark J. Spears. He tweeted that the Phoenix Suns have hired, um, shoot, I cropped this out. Gerald Madkins. Thank you. <laughs> Gerald Madkins. I don't know where it went. It just disappeared from my rundown. <laughs> Gerald Madkins is vice president of personnel evaluation and assistant general manager. Uh, the former NBA guard has held similar roles with the New York Knicks and New Orleans Hornets and has also been a director of scouting previously. So, Gerald, you got some competition now. I do, and the Suns actually made this official and put out a press release, and James Jones said, we're excited to have Gerald join our organization and welcome him to the Valley, words I never thought I would read out loud. His background <laughs> includes time with multiple successful organizations in a variety of roles, experience that will be very valuable to our basketball operations. Gerald's expertise and knowledge will elevate our program and we look forward to him joining us. I believe that was the same quote I gave when you joined here. Did uh, you? Yeah, I think that was. <laughs> was there a press release? There was. You just didn't see it. Damn. Uh, <laughs> now, I, what I find interesting is he held this uh, similar uh, role with the New Orleans uh, Hornets at the time uh, when Monty Williams was uh, there as the head coach in New Orleans. So there's there's some uh, some history here. He's also been heavy in scouting. Uh, at times in, in his career as well. So you got to wonder, are they kind of trying to build this thing right now that they have somebody that's willing to spend the money to have a few warm bodies in the uh, in the front office where maybe it wasn't James Jones that had the F them kids mentality. Maybe it was uh, the disgraced former owner who had the uh, F them executives kind of uh, mindset. So. <laughs> Yeah, it says in the press release that he'll report to Jones directly. So there's that. He was named assistant general manager and vice president of personnel evaluation, which is interesting to me. And you can never have too many Geralds. So I mean, James Jones had a whole bunch of different random titles, too. You know what I mean? It's like they just yeah. extra titles for everybody. Why not? <laughs> also, this front office was a little slim to begin with. Right. We've talked about that, especially around the draft last year. It's not a bulky front office. So adding a few additional people who have 
good skill sets that they're bringing in is not a bad thing. Hey, so James you're saying works. that their front their front office lacked a little bit of girth. See what I did there. I'm ready to that, go home. That's why. That's why this man gets paid the big bucks. Oh man, he's good. Gerald has rubbed off on all of us, so there it is. I don't want that. Espo's over there. here, just like shaking his head as if I wasn't born before Gerald and been at this before Gerald could even walk. Right, Espo? Did I yell enough for you? How how old are you? I don't want any part of this right now. <laughs> Did I go too hard in one direction? I'm just trying to figure out. For correct. Like, I don't think I started this when I was seven, but yeah. You know. uh, really? You don't think so? I feel like you've been making puns since you could talk. No, no, that's been Gerald's thing. Like ever no, since look, I've known Gerald, he's been punny on look, the on, Ger- on Twitter. Gerald and like Espo said, hasn't. Like I said, Gerald. Gerald took what I what I started, and he built on it, and he has taken uh, to another level. Yeah, I mean, it's my father's fault if you want to know the culprit for <laughs> the way I am. Mine but. too. <laughs> what a deal! Wow, yeah. you learn something new every day, huh? Yeah. All right, are you guys are you guys happy with this show? <laughs> no, we got fucking animals to talk Bro, about. Bro, this is gonna take us like twenty five minutes. Where do you have to go, Lindsay? Nowhere. I, I, just feel bad. I got you booked for the day. Let's go. I just feel bad. <laughs> All right, no, Emma. We got, let's do it. No, oh, I'm sorry. No, have... Nero. I'm sorry. Diamondbacks is freaking out. My bad. I forgot. Okay, Derek Montia is back here, literally on his hands and knees, crying. I'm Please sorry. Please don't. I'm drink. sorry. I forgot. <laughs> okay, let's wrap it up. We got to land the plane. You know what? We will do the bracket. We'll do the bracket tomorrow in the post game. Yeah, we could do that. Or we'll we we'll got all, all work- March. We got all March. You know, what? we'll do. We'll all work on Friday. We'll do a show on Friday <laughs> just for the bracket. I will not. Do Midge that. said, "Let's talk about DA again." Oh no, no. Midge. No. Midge. Don't. Midge knows Midge. what he did. Okay, for real, for or real. She. We're gonna go. Okay, thank you guys for joining us. We appreciate you as always. It was a unique show. We laughed a little bit. We yelled a lot. But you know what? It was a good show. And we appreciate you guys being here for that. Uh, We will have a show for you tomorrow. Like Saul and Espo said, no pregame show before the game. But we will have a game or show after the game wraps up. And we'll be sharing some fun stuff on social and in the Discord from the whole shoe thing with Espo. And we'll bring that to the postgame show as well. So plan to come hang out with us then. Until we see you tomorrow, you can follow the show on Twitter at phnx underscore suns. You can follow me at Lindsay Smith AZ. You can follow Saul at Saul underscore Bookman. You can follow Gerald at Gerald Borgay. And of course, you can follow Espo at Espo. I was Dr. J. He's MJ when it comes to the puns. Ahoy, ahoy. Tell the Phoenix Metro, Megas in control, and he ain't never gonna let go. PHNX though, Lindsey Gerald Espo. Saw past the ball, we here to turn up the tempo. Got to understand me, y'all always wreck the family. Rally 